0: Welcome to the Root of the Cause Radio Show. I'm your host, Dov, and today my guest is Robbie Besner. So, Robbie is the founder of the company Therasage, where he designs and sells full-spectrum infrared saunas, among a lot of other really interesting health optimization tools. Now, Robbie is a remarkably knowledgeable guy, especially when it comes to light therapy, particularly infrared light, as well as heat therapy and detoxification in the form of sweating. Now, it's funny because we covered so much ground in our talk that I actually decided to split this up into two episodes, and I'll be releasing the second half soon, so make sure to keep a lookout for that. And now for the disclaimer please keep in mind that this program is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition, and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. The Root of the Cause podcast is solely informational in nature. So please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in any treatments that we discuss on the show. Now, if you enjoy the content on today's episode, please follow me on Apple Podcast. Now, to do that, just click that plus sign at the top right of your screen, just above the show logo. I'd also love to hear your feedback, so it would be super awesome if you left a review as well as a five-star rating. It really helps out a lot. Well, I hope you guys enjoy the show, and without further delay, I present to you Robbie Besner. Robby Besner, welcome to the
1: show. Wow, thanks, thanks for having me, Doug.
0: Yeah, no problem. So, so your website has an interesting array of some really cool biohacking tools, but really your main product is your full spectrum infrared sauna. So I'd like to dive right in and first ask you to maybe define what infrared light is and why it's so intimately connected with sauna use and sauna devices.
1: Wow, great question. And we're gonna need another hour on this um, interview <laughs> to get cover that one. Um Well, first off, infrared is part of sun energy. The sun puts out a full array of what's called electromagnetic radiation. And don't be scared by the word radiation because most people <clears throat> look at it and it has a sort of a connotation that it's a negative but that's never the case. Like for instance, x-rays is a radiation, but it's a great diagnostic tool. Of course, if you get overexposed to x-rays, it wouldn't be healthy for you, but there's lots of benefits from x-rays and so forth. Anyway, the sun puts out a full array of different frequencies. And um, the infrared spectrum really caught my eye because of all of its attributes, all the benefits. And it's actually considered the most beneficial frequencies among all the frequencies from the sun. So and it, and it is coined by integrated functional um, pre- health practitioners as the healing frequencies of sun rays. So why I say that and why that's important is because UV spectrum of sunlight is, is really important too. It's more like the nurturing um, frequencies. And that'll do things like, you know, increase your pH or change your, um, uh, it will um, produce or help your body produce natural um, vitamin D, D3. And so that's super important because we all need that in order for us to be healthy. Now, if you get overexposed to UV, that's where people get worried about living, you know, being in the sun, getting potentially some kind of skin cancer or melanoma, something like that. Um <clears throat> And in nature, there's, a, there's a, such a beautiful balance out there, Dove. So, what happens is, is that if you do get overexposed from UV light and there is some damage to your DNA and RNA, whatever that is gets remediated, fixed, or cured by the next spectrum that comes in, which is the infrared spectrum. So, that's why it's called the healing frequencies. And so, to give you an example, I know we're both located in South Florida. And today in South Florida, based on the azimuth of the Earth to the sun, so that's the relationship of the angle of sun, the sun to the Earth, uh, on, on any given day or this time of year, between the hours of 11 and 1 or one thirty, is when UV spectrum is most predominantly present in our, in our light rays. And then after 130, UV starts, because the Earth is turning, so UV starts to weigh down. And then what comes present is the IR, or infrared spectrum. And it's broken into three wavelengths, the near, middle, and far frequencies. And each one of those wavelengths um, of the full spectrum of infrared, they all do different things. And that really captivated me and my interest. Because if I dial back my initial research, and the reason why I even started in this area of, of, um, of body of work has to do with a personal uh, story my fa- in my family. My daughter contracted Lyme disease, and one of her symptoms was in, w- way back, 22 years ago, and one of her symptoms was high levels of toxicity. And when I started studying ways, the most efficient ways to, duct- to uh, detox, I discovered that the infrared spectrum, the wavelengths of sunlight, certain wavelengths of sunlight will actually mobilize um, all or most of the toxins in your body. And so that really, that really floated my boat, so to speak, Dove. And uh, that's kind of how I got started in, in my, in my current um, position and, and sort of my journey.
0: Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Well, let me, let me ask you, so where does this the, sort of the negative ele- the quote-unquote negative elements of the UV rays, uh, occur that would then need the infrared rays to sort of counterbalance that if it, it ultimately is non-ionizing?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a good question, and there's actually a crossover because there is a point where where sunlight goes from non-ionizing to ionizing, and generally the ones I mentioned like X rays and gamma rays, for instance those are the ionizing uh, frequencies. So those Mm -hmm. are the ones that would be the most harmful for the body, actually. You know, like I mentioned, x-rays, overexposure to any of those would be very harmful. And then as you move towards down the spectrum, the wavelengths start to shift a little bit. And then you move into the non-ionizing, like natural light, um, microwaves, radio frequencies, of course, infrared, and part of the spectrum of UV. So that's where the sort of the crossover is. And so when you ask about UV and, and that, that, that's the precipice, and so effectively there are some frequencies like the 420 to 440 nanometer frequencies of the UV spectrum actually will alter overexposure to them will alter your DNA and RNA, which is your sort of your operating system of your cell and that's where it gets; it affects your 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 um, what's called your epigenetics, which is the, mm. you know, your gene expression and so forth. And so, so um, the IR spectrum is on in the ni- non-ionizing part, and for that reason, basically the wavelengths are super healthy and and great for you. All of them, pretty much.
0: Gotcha. And and just for clarification for the audience, I think of non-ionizing radiation is like mo- essentially moves electrons and ionizing radiation removes electrons to sort of overly simplify a complex process. At least that's my understanding. Yeah. So that's a great overview. I wasn't aware of all those details. So that really, it's a, it's a very nuanced thing and there's there's a delicate
1: balance with the wavelengths of the sun and the the concept of ionizing is super important and so because of the earth charge and the way that you know ionizing is a has an electric electrical um constitution to it in a sense Mm -hmm. And our bodies are basically electrically charged. It's what stimulates our neurological system. And so it's super important that the balance of our body battery, I call it, is is in equilibrium. So our bodies really, for it to be most efficient, we should be in a neutral charge, equal negative to an equal positive. But in today's world, none of us are like that because essentially... um, in the modern world, we're, we're exposed to what's called a cat iron, which is a positive um, charged particle. And so that would come from air, uh, air, air handlers, like air conditioning heaters. Um, it would come from uh, cat irons. Uh, yeah, that's probably one of the most predominant influencers. Um, now, now, the negative ion would be something that would be like the earth charge, for instance. And that's where that whole earthing technology comes from. Sure. And sure. so because we don't really touch the earth anymore, and you know I get a read that you're kind of you know, really conscious, health conscious and a naturopathic natu- way of looking at the world in a sense, so you're probably a tree hugger or a palm tree hugger or you walk barefoot in the sand, and that brings earth charge into your body, that negative ion into your body balancing that body body, you know, body battery um, properly. But for most of us out there that drive in air-conditioned cars or go from heated car to heated home to heated office and so forth, we're bombarded. Oh, the other one I was thinking of was neon uh, lights. Fluorescent lights also mm. generate um, these, these positive charge particles. So our body, for the most part, is, is surrounded by positive charge particles, which shifts our body energy. So we need that negative charge in order for us to be balanced and it's super important on on so many levels so that might be for another interview Um, no no that's that's great that that makes a lot of sense it it
0: actually with all that said i wanted to ask you a hypothetical question if that's cool with you so okay so like we so essentially we know or at least now that you've uh, given this great explanation we know the rationale behind a full spectrum sauna is to more or less mimic the wavelengths that the sun emits right now so with that said, let's just say hypothetically, I were to lay out in the sun with nothing but shorts on, right? We're both in South Florida for, let's say 30 minutes and it's 110 degrees, right? Just for the sake of this hypothetical, right? It's 110 degrees out and you instead used your sauna, your therisage sauna, which we'll get into in a lot more detail. And you did a 30 minute sauna session and you set it for 110 degrees. Would we essentially be getting an equal amount of therapeutic benefit from the heat and infrared light like putting the benefits of vitamin d aside
1: no categorically no
0: okay. the,
1: the concentration of frequencies in our little soft cabin is way more than you would get from the the parcel of spectrum of frequencies you get um from getting direct exposure wow that's interesting oh wow okay and actually that's one of the things that we're going for because in a way you know we're living very busy lifestyles. and how do you get the the um the proper amount of sunlight and and the and the benefits of sunlight, not just sunlight. Um, each day, in order for us to really live healthy and and a balanced and fulfilled life, you know? from from a health point of view so if we dial back the the calendar or the or the time to the days of moses jesus buddha um and probably some other of the of the uh, demigods you know um those days you know we were walking the earth we lived in caves and tents we woke up to the sun sunrise you know we were basically out in the fields all day getting overexposed to uv getting remediated with ir I mean, in the animal kingdom, this is what goes on basically every day, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so when you have a lengthy time and exposure, then you have that balance. But who's, who does that in our busy lifestyle these days, you know? I mean, I'm not – but, you know, on, on balance, for the most part, every day we need a, a little bit, touch of this type of energy in order for us to be healthy, and it expresses itself in in different ways. Like, for instance, yeah. the northern parts of the world, like Canada and upper, upper parts of, of the U.S., like Michigan and, and Minnesota, as we turn to winter, it gets, you know, freezing cold. The sun and that azimuth, that relationship has changed. So there's less sunlight during the day. You're wearing three, four, five, ten layers of clothes. Some of my friends in Minnesota say it gets to 80 below, and that's before wind chill. So... So you're like Michelin men, you're covered, your skin is covered. And by the way, your skin is a photoreceptor. And so having more skin present is a great way to get a lot of these natural uh, sun energies into the body. And so absent right. that, you get things like um, sunlight dep- uh, deprivation, which is that whole category of SADS and things like that, you know, a lot of physiological and emotional um, kinds of effects happen from being withdrawn from getting your sun, your ample amount of sun every day. Yeah. Right? So let, let me ask you, would you consider the vitamin D that we're
0: essentially able to obtain from the sun? Would you consider that a form of photobiomodulation? And you know, actually before, before you answer that, we should probably define what photo is actually for the listeners who don't know. You want to take a stab at that or are you asking me? No, I'm, I'm asking you to take the reins. I mean, okay. I, I, yeah, I mean, I could give you like
1: a, to so, me, so. it's
0: any non-ionizing electromagnetic light that basically triggers a cellular change. That would be my crude definition. Yeah.
1: That's pretty good, actually. I, I, I tone it down because, again, I don't know the full scope of your audience, but, you know, bio is basically your body and photo means light and modulation is just the various different wavelengths within spectrums of, of light. That affects your your biology or your physiology. So, yeah. in a more reduced or easier um, way to maybe get wrap your head around it.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting. I'm sure you know you and I go to a lot of these conferences and we speak to very forward thinking practitioners and they're all on board with photobiomodulation and infrared light and all the therapeutic benefits of that. But you know, it's amazing to me that I think you and I. I think you and I would agree that 99 out of 100 conventionally trained allopathic physicians would look at you like you have five heads if you mention the term photobiomodulation or any of the benefits of infrared light. But yet, they all know and won't deny that when UVB light from the sun hits our skin, it photochemically converts you know, the cholesterol precursor, the 7 cholesterol, which they know, and it converts it to vitamin D3, like a magic trick, and that's photobiomodulation. So it's kind of interesting that something that is kind of amazing that happens, that the light just hits our skin and just photochemically just makes a hormone, right? Like a a pro-hormone, I guess you can call it slash vitamin. And it does all of these amazing necessary things to the body that a conventionally trained doctor does not deny that occurs. But yet they believe that it stops there, that there can be no other benefits to light therapy or light for that matter, despite the fact that the lack thereof causes depression, like you had just mentioned. So where do you think this comes from, given that it's such established science and it's such basic biological science, especially for those who have gone through uh, sophisticated medical education, like where, what, what is that about, do you think?
1: Mm, Great question. So I have lots of friends that are MDs or allopaths, so I have to be careful how I answer this one, Doug. And I have to be careful how I stated it. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I know you chose your words very carefully. Yeah. And by the way, I have to, um, I have to acknowledge or admire the fact that you made a comment just now about vitamin D3 being a hormone because the latest research on D3 is it does act like a hormone in the body. And so even though it's called a vitamin, it's much, much, much more important to body function, cell function, cell life, um, and all that. And so that's a great distinction, and and people should be more conscious of D levels. In fact, they did a study. They they uh, measured the vitamin D on 3 million Americans, and they were 80% D deficient. And so wow. so why is that? Is that because they're not getting enough sunlight, or is it because there are certain things that have been imposed on them, it could be epigenetics, let's say, to make it simple, um, that's preventing the proper absorption of these sun rays or light rays to be able to do that conversion to D3. Yeah, no, that, so,
0: that, makes, that makes complete sense. I, I also think there is an element which I think is still confusing, I think even confusing a little bit to me and, and a lot of people, even in the circles that we surround ourselves with, I think a lot of people are very afraid of, potential downsides, not even what most conventionally trained doctors would call the risk of skin cancer, but really premature wrinkles and aging essentially. And so given that you just laid out, there's this delicate balance that we need. Would you even say with that said, any exposure, even though you're getting a tremendous amount of benefit, you're still taking on some negative effects that are unavoidable because of the oxidative stress that is occurring from the skin exposure, even though you're getting, you could argue, more benefit than you are loss. W- would you say that's accurate? And that may be one of the reasons why today some of the vitamin D levels are low. I'm, I'm sure there's a ton of others, like you said, epigenetics and so forth. But
1: wh- how, how would you speak to that, to the negative effects, particularly? Well, I, think, yeah. I think it's a misunderstood category in some ways. I agree completely. Yeah. So, Yeah. And plus, you've got the overlay of politics and people wanting to sell you know, suntan oils and sorry, uh, whatever they Locks. call blockers. Yeah. The blockers. Yeah. Um, and so what they start is saying, Oh, you can't go, especially in South Florida, you probably know, don't go in that sun without lubing up beforehand because you're going to get skin cancer. Right? Right, um, right. when all of the real assay science and research says completely com- the complete opposite. Right, so, right, right. So, but there are things to know, like for instance, you know, um, uh, your melanocyte, which is your the the cell that's inside your skin um, that actually gives you your skin color, um, is also acts sort of as a protector because it produces that a, a sun tan is actually a natural sun blocker, and that's why when you go in the sun, you get overexposed to UV light, you start to get rosy red, and then eventually tan. And that change in your skin tone is a way that your body protects you from getting overexposed the next time when you go in. And right. so that's for that reason. When when um, we studied the UV spectrum and how, how it affects the body physiologically, um, we made some kind of a, a degradation between the kinds of skin types that are out there. So a fair-skinned type person would need less UV light exposure to get the ample amount of light or UV light that they would need for their bodies to produce. Um, Take D1, which is in sunlight at the skin surface, is D2. And then we have sort of a photosynthesis process where we um, biochemically shift it to D3 in the body. And so a fair skin, light skin person might need 20 minutes. I'm kind of more of a darker skin person, so usually thirty minutes is the crossover. And a dark skin person needs way more, maybe forty-five to fifty minutes of, of UV spectrum in order for them to get enough light in order for them to pr- produce naturally that vitamin D they need. And I think that's why people are are um, deficient in D because they're not sitting, they're not in the sun at the right time, and they're not, they they don't, they're not knowledgeable as to how much sunlight they need in order for them to be able to get. You know that part of their, their nutritional needs. Yeah, I use that app, uh, D-Minder, which actually tells you I exactly. Love that what... app. I was just yeah, great, it. and it's so cool that you know that one. So tell the people about that one, so they know. And so it's basically an app that tells you. At, so you put in
0: your coordinates, and it tells you based on where you're located at what time in the day you'll be getting uh, UVB light, specifically because you could be out in the sun, let's say at five at night depending on where you are and you think you're getting UVB rays and vitamin D, but you're really not. And there's only certain points in the day that that particular app will uh, guide you as to what would be beneficial and not because to your earlier point, if you're gonna if you're actually going to expose yourself and risk, potential skin degradation why not get all the benefits or little to none of the downsides if you're going out at the right time would you add anything to that or have any well, point of yeah
1: that, that's why i love that app because it's if you have a smart targeted. First, first off it's free and yeah. secondly um it it syncs with the gps on your phone on your smartphone so, so the phone and the app knows exactly where you are on the earth and then it knows where you are on the earth in relationship to the sun. And so you can sort of almost surgically, um, figure out exactly how much sun you need in order for you to meet your needs. And that, that takes us away from the potential of overexposure and skin damage and all that other stuff that goes along with that. Right, and right. So. That app is just a a killer, great app for everyone out there. Everyone should have it, honestly. And I use it all the time. And uh, I recommend it all the time for that reason, because D3 is super important, everything that it does for you. And understanding, you know, the, uh, you know, and this way, and even when I I teach, you know, I've been teaching at Hippocrates Health Resort for 15 years here in West Palm Beach. And so- you know, being in South Florida, you know, you're conscious of sunlight and how much to be in. And I and I often point people to that that um that app so that they can get what they need every day and understand it's important to get it every day in order to be healthy.
0: Yeah. And there's actually some research out there. I don't know how robust it is, I don't know to what degree, but actually exposure to the sun on those off hours could actually have a vitamin D lowering effect as sort of a I guess an evolutionary balance because obviously if you're outside all day, your vitamin D levels could actually reach unhealthy levels if you're always outside like our ancestors did. So it's almost like this balancing effect. I don't know if you've, if you've read any of the research on that it's, it's slim, but it's out there and it, it it's, it's interesting from an evolutionary perspective. It makes sense.
1: Yeah. I, I, I have seen some stuff on that, but mostly, you know, we address in clinic um, the potential of of actually, most people really supplement with a D3, and I like the the liquid ones. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> because vitamin D3 and K2 and D3 is a great combination together if you can find a good company that that makes that. Um, but the D3, uh, it's lipid soluble, which means it's absorbed and held in the fat of the body. Mm. And for that reason. You can actually get too much. You can hold or store too much if you're taking too much. You know, right? And so right. if you read um, FDA, they suggest that the the units between thirty five and fifty of the D three in a in a blood test, and so the FDA suggests that an adult's D three level should be between thirty five and fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're seeing is, in, and in research, that if you can get the level between eighty five and one hundred. Then you're going to be basically shifting your bi- internal chemistry and driving pathogens out. So it's really a, from a long-term plan, it's a great vitamin slash hormone to be ha- to have as a normal supplement. Now this is the caveat with this stuff because um, because it's uh, lipid soluble or it's stored in the body. You have to you have to really you have to take a D panel like every six months or so to understand. How much your body is storing. And so if you're looking, let's say you do a a baseline blood test and you come in at at 40. Okay. And by the way, most people with Lyme and chronic diseases, they're very low. They're in the teens, like 12, 15, 20, something like that. They're they're They're
0: burning through their stores because it's needed for those conditions.
1: Exactly. And so they have to work extra hard to get it up to a higher level. And so let's say you start at 40, right? And then you supplement at 5,000 units a day. Um, and then in three months, you run a test again because th- there's your skin's not going to turn orange. There's no way on the outside or on the inside you're going to feel any different. Hmm. So you take your next blood test in three months. And then you take a look and see, well, did I go from 40 to 50? Did it go from 40 to 60? Did I go from 40 to 80? And yeah. based on that, based on that, incremental change, you either dial up or dial back the dose that you need in yeah, order. If, you,
0: to if you're, if you're not, if you're not testing, you're essentially guessing. So I, I actually use something I use um parathyroid hormone to, yeah. as a, as a, a sort of an indirect proxy. So I, I mean, I do, it's not, this is not to say, I think there, there are many people with particularly people with chronic conditions that you can just look at that and I, the vitamin D3 in isolation and 125 as well, which is the active vitamin D. But I like for myself in particular, but for you know a lot of the people that I coach, I will order a, a PTH as well. And I'll, I've noticed that it's a really good proxy because some people, they don't need necessarily high levels, I can almost compare it to fasting insulin or C-peptide, right? You wouldn't see low fasting insulin or C-peptide by itself in an otherwise, you know, healthy person and just sort of reflexively assume they were an early stage, you know, type one diabetic or a later stage type two, even though, you know, theoretically that could be the case if they're losing beta cell function, but like in an otherwise well person, you'd likely give them a high five that, you know, such little insulin is needed in order to effectively stabilize their blood sugar. So it's not a perfectly comparable analogy, but the basic principle is the same. So I I personally look at PTH, just a little perspective. This is what I do. I look at PTH, and if it's low and if it's appropriately suppressed, to me, that's sort of a feedback to indicate what levels of vitamin D are appropriate for that person. And if I see PTH high, then I know even if my vitamin D looks like on the surface moderately high it's not high enough for me so it's almost like supply and demand what your supply to me what your supply of vitamin d is doesn't necessarily reflect the demand but the pth tells you what the demand is so that's just a little hack that I happen to do.
1: I love that. That's great. I, I'm going to actually do that and attribute it to you because that's fantastic. Yeah. Like I almost look at it in the same way I look at finances. Like for
0: example, your accountant would never only want to know what your gross income is to determine how solving you are, right? He'd ultimately want to know your discretionary income because... Someone could have a supply of income of, say, a million dollars, yet at the end of the year be left with only, you know, 50 bucks, right? Yet, you know, the teenager across the street making, say, minimum wage may actually be left with more money than the so-called millionaire at the end of the year, right? So the guy making a million bucks a year may have a large supply coming in. But being left with only 50 bucks at the end of the year means, despite the million he's making, it's still not meeting his spending demands. Whereas the teenager spending demands are so low that he's actually doing better than the millionaire. And I sort of, you know, I look at a lot of the nutrient markers in a very similar way when I'm coupling one marker with another, such as in the case of, you know,
1: vitamin D and PTH. It's a great way to look at it. Yeah. If so, credits and deficits in, in healthcare as there is in finances, so that's good. So Robbie, I wanted to now get into nitric oxide in
0: the context of infrared light. Now, one of the benefits of infrared light that I was most impressed with regarding uh, near-infrared wavelengths and photobiomodulation was the nitric oxide release. But what really impressed me was when I learned of this light receptor protein we have inside our mitochondria called cytochrome C oxidase that nitric oxide actually binds to N is released when stimulated. Now, could you maybe kind of explain what nitric oxide is and what kind of effects it has on the body? And we could take as deep a dive as you want with that.
1: Favorite topic. Actually, I'm super close friends with Dr. Nathan Bryan. You may have seen some of his work. Hmm. Um, he studied under the the um, the doctor, the PhD doctor that got that won the Nobel Prize for discovering. Nitric oxide, who's not with us anymore. So essentially, Dr. Bryan is is the world's, or at least the national authority on nitric oxide. Wow! And uh, we met up serendipitously about six years ago, and immediately bonded at a stem cell conference that we were both we were both um, presenting at. And um, I've read his books, and I've gotten some insights, deep insights into his um, into his studies and his research, and to go to bring it back down to earth for all of us out there nitric oxide is one of the three transient gases that the body produces naturally but what happens is as we age um, I think the the, the um, tipping point is in late late 20s early 30s we start making less nitric oxide and so to give you a feel of how that physiology works um, let's say you're one of these optimal health people and you work out well when you work out let's say you go for a run or a bike ride what happens your heart rate increases your breathing increases and so does your circulation your metabolic rate starts to increase that means your blood's moving around at a faster pace if you're warming up your muscles the veins and arteries that's that are around your muscles they because the muscles are warm from from working out um they they vicariously warm the vessels the vessels when they get warmed up they vasodilate or they expand and that increases circulation circulation carries DNA, RNA, blood, oxygen, and so forth, to the muscles that need that extra oxygen and nutrition in order for them to continue to be, I'm using the word stressed, but it's a healthy stress. Like a workout or a bike ride, it's a healthy stress, okay? And so that's kind of how a muscle grows. Like you go to a gym and you work out with your biceps with a dumbbell, you're tearing um, the muscle a little bit and then it mends and it grows and produces lactic acid, which is a free radical. Which is a hormesis, essentially, right? Yeah, exactly. So a byproduct of that exertion is this transient gas called nitric oxide. And what nitric oxide does is two really super important things. One, it creates vasodilation for from everything from the very small micro vessels like your capillaries and so forth, all the way to the deeper vessels. And it also triggers your hemoglobin, your blood, to retain more oxygen when you make it present so let's kind of play the scenario you go for a bike ride you start breathing heavy heavier or more rapidly that's bringing more oxygen through the alveoli in your lung going directly into your bloodstream and at the very same time your body's producing this nitric oxide dilating the vessels moving more blood or increasing your metabolic rate and delivering this extra oxygen that's coming in through your lung to your blood that's being carried around and the blood says oh my God, that's great. It's just what I wanted was this extra oxygen because of this transient gas nitric oxide. So it's super, super important. And I believe, you know, it really um, is a big contribution. The fact that we start making less of it as we get older is a reason why we all, all older people, suffer from oxidative stress, deprivation of oxygen, and we age. That's part of the aging process. Mm. And so, you know, one way to reverse or slow down the aging process is to, you know, supplement with nitric oxide, for instance, um, and get more oxygen into your bloodstream. Uh, and then that'll feed your tissues and, and create, it also drives, by the way, it drives pathogens out And many of the microbial world, like uh, Lyme disease, parasites, um, candida, you know, all those microorganisms, are, g- viruses and bacteria are generally anaerobic in nature, so they don't like oxygen. So right. a great, great, great long-term and short-term health plan to keep your body healthy, vibrant, and vital is to somehow get more oxygen into your bloodstream. The older you get, the more important a nitric oxide supplement or this function of getting more oxygen into your blood becomes. And so that's my my two bits on nitric oxide.
0: Yeah. And so just to kind of recap that. So basically, nitric oxide, from what I understand, it, it's... Basically, potentiates the action of hemoglobin by increasing its ability to carry oxygen to the tissues. And if you're doing that, and hemoglobin carries oxygen to the tissues, and microbes don't like oxygen, there you have your antimicrobial effect among like the 20 other benefits that you just mentioned. But in addition, you know, it's my understanding that cytochrome c oxidase, when it's not properly stimulated, we end up getting this sort of backlog of unused nitric oxide, which actually causes oxidative stress. So nitric oxide, and correct me if I'm wrong, if sort of bound, and I guess um, you could call it, yeah, bound by cytochrome C oxidase and not stimulated for its release, it actually can and will cause oxidative stress. And then once it's released, it then is able to do what it does with all the, the array of benefits that you just Mentioned so, I guess with that said, you could then make an argument that these wavelengths from your sauna, in particular, lowers oxidative stress while
1: increasing nitric
0: oxide via
1: nitric oxide. So happy you brought us there. Yeah, Um, (laughs) one of the reasons why I'm so stoked about our approach. Well, first off, you know the saunas that we make, the thera 360 Plus, in particular, which is the latest you know, version, the upgraded Mac Daddy version, as I call it, Um, we have these specialized light panels that we installed called tri-light systems. And what it does is it actually dials up more of the near um, frequencies in the full spectrum. So infrared um, has three wavelengths. It's the near, middle, and far. And the near frequencies are the frequencies that will um, stimulate or generate nitric oxide naturally. And so, for us that are getting older, that that make less of it, it's a great way, a natural and simple way, to um, to regain some of that back. And then the sauna itself and its detox process balances out all of the imbalances on a cell level that you need, you know, so you don't have that that buildup. So Done. you're getting all the good, and you're pulling out the waste and the toxic um, parts of your body at the same time. It's it's kind of a cool scenario. And the the reason why we made the trilite system was that um, well I mentioned earlier that I I speak at, and teach at Hippocrates and have for a few years and so um, I teach in a very particular room a venue that I love and I stare at this poster or mural of Hippocrates um, and I have been doing this for fifteen years so it started to bug me like four years ago I'm looking at this 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 mural of him and I'm thinking you know it's you know one of his mantras dove was that um, Food is your medicine, right? But then I thought to myself, you know what? The food of today isn't the food of Hippocrates Day. It's not, you know, t- from 200 years ago. We've got processed food. When, anything, like take a Twinkie. If you've got a Twinkie, and no, no offense if any of you guys out there like Twinkies, um, <laughs> but anything that has a shelf life of 500 American years. American treasure, come on now. Yeah. <laughs> so anything that has a shelf life of 500 years, I mean, think about that, right? So the point being, I mean, I grew up, my grandmother, her, her refrigerator had an ice block on top and there weren't leftovers. Everything she made was fresh every day from the market. And, you know, we don't, we don't live in that world anymore. We don't live in the day of Hippocrates, nor is our environment the same. We've got chemtrails and glyphosate in the, in the, in the air, water and food that we're eating these days. You know, it's, we're bombarded. We've got these exogenous frequencies, EMF, ELF, RF frequencies, and so forth. You know, so we've got we're bombarded with a lot of toxic exposure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I often say what in response to some people who say, well, this is not living like from an evolutionary perspective, taking supplements, going into a sophisticated, technologically sophisticated infrared sauna and so forth. This is not quote unquote natural. This is not how our ancestors lived. But to your point, our ancestors didn't have this constant assault that would lend itself to requiring all these other you could, arguably unnatural yet healthy things to combat the unnatural unhealthy things. That's my perspective on that anyway. So oh, that's,
1: good. that's a good one.
0: Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Like I said before, I broke this up into two episodes and I'll be releasing part two sometime next week. So in part two, we actually start digging even deeper into some really interesting areas. So just keep a lookout for that episode. I really think you guys are gonna enjoy it. Now, I just wanted to remind you guys again to hit that plus sign on the top right of the podcast page. And also let me know what you guys thought of the show by leaving me a review. Well, that about does it for today. And until next time, take care, everyone. This podcast for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed in this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast disclaims responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties for guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interests in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.